0: Well, come on, good morning, Go Church family. Look, you already know this, you look good, but do you feel good? Come on, do you feel good? There we go. I I believe in my heart that you've already been greeted today from the street all the way to the seat but I don't want to miss this moment without telling you what an honor it is to be together in person today. My wife and I, Kimberly and myself, it is a joy to be a part of your spiritual journey, a part of your faith journey. And so thanks for being here today. I feel the presence of the Lord in this room. Do you feel that? And whether you're watching online or maybe you're at our Germantown, Maryland campus, we believe that the same God that is here is the same God that is moving there. Most of you know we're one church in multiple locations, so on the south side of Atlanta, we got a bunch of crazy people. That's all y'all. Come on, you crazy folk, right here, and we do want to say good morning to Germantown and all of you, and then everybody online, so you set the tone for everybody in the other room, so can you put your hands together? Welcome your extended family. Come on, let's go. Here we go. Good. I love it. And then you know this, if you've been a part of Go Church for any period of time, before we jump into the message, we always pause to give honor to the brave men and women that serve in the military and all of our courageous first responders. And so I pray that this moment, every week that we do this moment, may you feel loved, appreciated, known, cared for, because we thank God for you, because of your sacrifice and selflessness. We live in the best country in the world. Doesn't mean America is perfect. How many of you know we got a lot of work we need to do? Come on. But this is, uh, this is a wonderful country because of your commitment and sacrifice. So come on, church family. Put your hands together. Hoop and holler real loud. Thank God for the men and women that serve. Come on. Come on, five more seconds. Let's go. Good. Hey, what about last Sunday, Vision Sunday? Come on now. A historic day in the life of our church, and if you weren't able to be here last Sunday, don't worry. All of our previous messages and, and, and gatherings are available on demand, so you can go online and check that out. We made a couple of huge announcements last week, though, and one of those is that on Easter Sunday, so in like seven weeks from now, we're going to launch our West Side Campus, our Go Church Westside Campus, and the historic West Side of Atlanta in the 30314 zip code better known as The Bluff. And so we've got six, seven weeks here to launch this camp as well. And so here's the invitation for all of you. This is a a opportunity for you to come tonight at 6 p.m. right here at our broadcast campus. We're gonna have an interest meeting. And that's all it is. We're not gonna take your social security number. Come on, somebody. We already got that. Hello. We're not going to track you down and hunt you down. If you just want to know a little bit more about what God is up to on the west side of Atlanta and the part that you can play and the part that we can play as Go Church, join me tonight at 6 o'clock right here in this room. Uh, we'll have a great conversation about that. And then maybe, just maybe, you could pray about your participation as we launch that campus in a few weeks. Is that good? Come on, I think that's good. So tonight, come on out, hang out with me for a little bit. Also on Vision Sunday, we talked about the revamping of MoveTrack. And MoveTrack has really expanded from a membership opportunity to a discipleship pathway. And so today, we launched this revamped MoveTrack into four particular steps. And you'll see that this curriculum here that we're using is really from our heart as we take this discipleship journey together. So today, we talked about in step one, understanding the gospel. Next Sunday, we'll talk about learning the spiritual disciplines. Then we'll talk about discovering your purpose and then becoming a member. Now, you can jump into MoveTrack at any step, all right? So if you didn't go today, which how about this? They had 75 people in MoveTrack this morning already. I think that's just crazy, crazy. But if you want to jump into step two next week, no problem we'd love for you to show up. So go on the app, the website, sign up for that. It'll be a part of our first gathering here, and then it's after church at our Germantown location. But we'd love for you to be a part of MoveTrack and kind of begin this discipleship process with us. All right, this kind of has a little old school Sunday school feel to it, and that's on purpose. We want there to be some, some consistency with curriculum and really helping you grow in your faith journey. So be a part of MoveTrack. I think you'll really love what God is doing with that. And then today, as you heard, we're kicking off a brand new series on family. Now, I always pray before we get into the word together, and I want to do that today. But as we prepare to pray, let me make one statement here to kind of launch us into the prayer and then into the conversation. Every year we do a series on the family, and every year it is incredibly challenging. And here's why because family is different from person to person. Family and that experience and that dynamic is different from house to house. Does that make sense? So your family experience and my family experience doesn't always look the same. So when we talk about husband, wife, mother, father, brother, sister, grandmother, grandfather, in-laws, those are not emotionally neutral words. They mean something to your emotions different than what they might mean to my emotions and my experiences. So regardless, though, of your past family history, the season that you're in with your family, I believe that over the next three Sundays, as we talk about the family, that God has a word for us today. He's got a word for us in this series. I believe, and I'm going to get ahead of myself if I'm not careful, but I feel like preaching a little bit today. Come on. I believe that if we take the authority in the name of Jesus, we can take back our families. Come on, somebody. We can commit our families to Jesus, and our best days... As a matter of fact, I prophesied this over your family, over your marriage, over your children, over your home. I prophesied that your best days are in front of you, not behind you. Do you receive that? Come on. All right. So we're going to pray. We're calling it Mi Familia S. And over the next few weeks, we're going to talk about really what our family is. So I'm going to pause here for five seconds. I'm not going to say anything. I'm going to ask every head bowed, every eye closed. Let's pause for a moment here. I want you to reset your mind and your heart. Ask the Holy Spirit to speak to you to receive the word that he has. You ready? Take a moment here. Lord, it is a privilege to stand on this platform and to preach your word. I stand here with great intimidation if I'm being honest. I've prayed over this message. I have fasted over this message. I've rehearsed this message. But my heart's desire is not to impress anybody. My heart is that the Holy Spirit would impact somebody. So I echo the words of the Apostle Paul, where he told the church at Corinth, for I do not speak with wise and persuasive words, but with a demonstration of the Holy Spirit's power. I want Jesus to be famous, not not JC. I want your church to be famous. And so I'm committing this message to you, Lord, and I'm asking that if you're willing to use someone like me, I just wanna be a vessel. And for those listening today, I pray an anointing over them as well. I rebuke distraction and pray for clarity of thought and attention. And I ask, Father, that you would allow this message to be an anchor message, a message that would change the trajectory of households and families and generations to come. So I give this word to you and I ask you, Jesus, do with it what only you can do. And we give you all the thanks and all the glory and all of the honor. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Thank you, Jesus. And together, the whole church said amen and amen. Now, can we applaud the King of kings and the Lord of lords? Come on, his name is Jesus. Hey, I hope you can clap better for Jesus than that. Come on, church. Good. How many of you got a cool family, got a good family, you love your family? How many of you got a crazy family, wild family? Where's my dysfunctional family people at? Come on. Y'all come sit on the front row. Come on, somebody. You know, family is unique, and there is a challenge. And anytime you talk about family, like I mentioned, the experiences are different. I mean, we got people from Kentucky here. Come on, somebody. So, uh, okay, I should have prayed earlier again. But let's talk a little bit about the family. If you got your Bible, go to Matthew chapter 7. Matthew chapter 7. If you're flipping there in your Bible, or if you're strolling with your smartphone, let me give you a little context around Matthew 7 leading up to... to to the scripture that we'll read. We'll start in verse 24 and read verses 24, 25, 26, 27. Matthew 7 is uh, part of the Sermon on the Mount. So in Jesus' first sermon that he ever preaches, known as the Sermon on the Mount, because he went up on a mountain and he preached a sermon, uh, Jesus begins to talk about the things of the kingdom, Christian morality and ethics and values, what would later be known as biblical principles and spiritual practicals. For three days, 72 hours, Jesus preached, and the people listened. As a matter of fact, at the very end of Matthew chapter 7, the Bible says that when he was done speaking, the crowd was amazed because he taught as one who had authority. When you look at Matthew chapter 5, 6, and 7, the very last thing that Jesus talks about in his Sermon on the Mount is what you and I are going to read today. And he talks about this. He talks about a wise man or a wise builder, and he talks about a foolish man or a foolish builder. And he says, if you want your life, Jesus to be the center of that, you've got to be like the wise man and build your, and he uses a home as an analogy. He says, you got, you got to build your house, your home, on the rock, which is Jesus Christ. I want to show this to you, and then we'll unpack it a little bit. Watch this. Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine, And decides to put them into practice is like a, somebody say wise man. Who built his house on the rock. The Bible says that the rain came. How many of you know the storm's coming? That's just life. The rain will come. The streams will rise. The winds will blow and beat against that house. But it will not fall because its foundation is on the rock. And again, the rock is Jesus. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man and this foolish man would build his house on everything else that the world would offer and jesus calls it sand and this sand as you know would cause the foundation of that home to sink and watch this regardless of which foundation you decide to build your house on the rain will still come the streams will still rise the winds will still blow life will still happen And if you decide to build your home, whether that's your spiritual home or your physical home, on things that are not of God, watch, it will fall with a great crash. Now, the difference between the wise builder and the foolish builder is not necessarily knowledge and ignorance. The difference between the two is obedience and disobedience. And so I'm not Jesus. Come on, somebody. If I were, you'd listen to me preach for three days. You have a tough time listening to me for 30 minutes, but that's all right. I'm not Jesus, but I do believe that the Lord has a word for us, and he's going to use me to share that word. And then you and I, because I'm included in this, I'm not preaching at you. I'm I'm preaching with you that we've got a decision to make, that we've got a choice to make on where we are going to build our home. Will we build our home on the rock, which is Jesus, or will we build our home on sinking sand? I think every single one of us would say, at least in our heart of hearts, I Man, I want to put my home on the rock. I want to build my life on Jesus so that when my, my marriage gets crazy, come on, somebody, when my kids become disobedient, y'all not going to say anything. That's cool. When life gets uncertain, if I build my home on the rock, I will bend, but I won't break. Come on, somebody. Look, when the winds come, that's why I grew up in South Florida. Come on, Tampa Bay. T-A-M-P-A, Bombay. If you ain't headed south, you're headed the wrong way. Come on, sir. (laughs) So I love the palm trees in sunny South Florida, that when the hurricanes or the storms come, they will bend, but typically they won't break because they are rooted in a solid foundation. Today, though, I want to talk to you about the idea of broken families. Because this is what we see. We see broken families all the time. I believe in my heart that some of you sitting in this room or watching online or maybe even in Germantown, you're, you're walking in a season of brokenness with your family. Listen, we've all been hurt by people. And hurting people hurt people. Can you say amen to that? But the deepest hurt, the most painful kind of hurt, can only come from family that you love. And when they hurt you, it cuts you in a way like you've never experienced before. How many of you know what I'm talking about? And a lot of times we end up with the broken family, with a broken family that seems beyond repair. Now, this is obvious because of what we just read, but our families become broken when we've built them on the wrong foundation. And this is what happens. It is the primary objective of the enemy, John 10.10, to still kill, and destroy. So the enemy would love for your family to be dysfunctional. The enemy would love for you and your spouse to end up divorced. And then, above all, the enemy would love the death of your family to take place. Now our families become broken whenever, and this can happen a, a, in a drift, if you will, where at one point you were committed to building your home on the rock and, and over time things just kinda became a priority or you know a, an idol, if you will, in your life. And then we move our home from the foundation, which is the rock, to the foundation of sand and then we wake up one day and we realize, man, my family is in pieces. Now, there are a lot of outcomes of broken families, and we'll talk about a couple of those. I do want to talk about divorce for a moment here. I'll show you just a couple of statistics. Uh, You know, I'm not a statistician. Come on, somebody. But I think stats and numbers really open our eye to the reality of the challenges of brokenness within the family. Now, these two stats that you see are specific to the United States, because we got people that watch all over the world, and some of you have family, and you come from different parts of the world. That's the beautiful diversity of Go Church, by the way. But 50% of all marriages in America will end in either divorce or separation. 50%. This one really took me by surprise, but there are nine divorces that happen in the time that it takes for a couple who's getting married to recite their wedding vows. So typically in a wedding, they're going to, have vows for about two minutes, unless they write their own, and then sometimes it's like 12 minutes. But in that short window of time, nine families around the country are getting divorced. And there are multiple reasons to that. Uh, forty-three percent of all marriages end in divorce because of a lack of commitment, incompatibility. Twenty-eight percent of all divorces end because of infidelity, because of affairs. 23% of all marriages end because of financial burden and stress and pressure. I'm going to tell you right now, mo' money just means more problems. Come on. A smaller percentage, though, because of domestic violence and addiction, which, by the way, God doesn't want you to be in any type of abusive relationship. Physically, ver- verbally, sexually abusive relationships, that's not of God. And if you need help getting out of that, we'll help you, all right? JC stands for Jackie Chan. You better watch out. Come on, somebody and then a lot of marriages end because of communication. That was funny. I don't care who you are. <laughs> that is funny. <laughs> okay, plus I know a lot of police officers, so there we go. And then some marriages end because of communication issues. Now watch this. If your family is broken, uh, and may- maybe it's not divorce is the outcome, but if your family is broken, you know some of the other results of brokenness in the home. Anxiety. Whew, stress. Unnecessary drama. I mean, goodness, lack of joy, lack of purpose, emotional challenges, physical challenges. So divorce is just one symptom of brokenness, but but today, depending on where you are in the season of your family, if there's brokenness, you've got your own symptom. You've got your own challenge, and you know the difficulty of that. Now, I got good news, and the good news is this. It's that no matter how broken your family is, if you invite Jesus into the equation, come on, church, Jesus is the God of the impossible. Impossible. I am possible. And Jesus can fix any broken situation. I tell people all the time, depending on how low they feel, rock bottom isn't always the worst place to be because the only way out is up. Come on. And there's hope for you. Now, I don't know a lot, of, I don't know a lot about construction. I'm not a construction guy. I'm not an architect, not an engineer, Anytime, the only thing I'm good at when it comes to construction is demolition. Anybody with me on that? Like, I can destroy anything. But I do know this, that if you take a physical home and you build that home on a broken foundation, on a broken foundation, the cause and effect of that broken foundation can be costly and destructive. But here's the thing about modern technology is that even in that world, they can now fix your your concrete slab. They can fix your foundation. It's called slab jacking or mud jacking. I'm smarter than I look. Come on now. And they'll, they'll take the foundation, the broken foundation, and they'll, they'll lift it up. They'll lift it up. And then they'll pack whatever type of material is needed in order to level out the un, uneven foundation or to repair the, the brokenness within the concrete slab. Does that make sense? Now, I'm not trying to over-spiritualize this, but you need to hear me. It is the Holy Spirit that can lift up the foundation. The Holy Spirit will lift up the foundation. And if you allow God, he will pack underneath your uneven uh, foundation, underneath your your, your broken slab. He'll put love, joy, peace, patience. I thought if I did the hand movements, you'd say amen more. Come on. Kindness, goodness, gentleness, and a little bit of self-control. So no matter how broken your family feels, no matter how broken that foundation is, here is the whole sermon. Jesus is the answer. Jesus is the answer. Come on. It is Jesus who is the great repairer. It is Jesus who is the great mender. It is Jesus who is the great healer. Jesus is the answer. And yet we run after all of the things of the world, and all of those things are sinking sand. They are counterfeit to the real thing. I want to show you some things that are ways today that God can help you repair your broken family. And when I was praying over this message, I got like 46 steps, all right? We're going to talk about four. Is that good? I made you a good deal, okay? There's all kinds of steps and how we can repair a broken family. But no matter how deep, dark, and broken your family feels, Jesus, Jesus, I'm going to say it again because there's power in his name, Jesus, can fix brokenness. Let me give you a few ways. You ready? All right, take some notes. Message note cards in a seat near you. Write something down, okay? I got a few thoughts here. The first one is this. You got to stop playing the blame game. Uh, Let me say it another way. You got to stop pointing fingers at everybody in the family as if every issue, every bit of drama, all of the arguing, all of the the stuff is their fault. You you remember when you were a kid, your, your parents or grandparents or teacher would say, that if you point your finger at somebody, you got three fingers pointing right back at you. How many of you have heard that before? Every time I point my finger at Kimberly, she says, these three fingers represent you big dummy. Come on, somebody. <laughs> you big dummy. you got to stop pointing fingers. you got to stop blaming everybody else for the dysfunction and the brokenness. Write this thought down. As long as you blame everybody else for your unhappiness, you're always going to be unhappy. You should have said amen to that. Listen, when, when, you, when you blame... When you play that game, here's what you do. You take every bit of your happiness and you take every bit of your joy and you give it to the individual that you're in conflict with. And you say, I'm going to give you the power to decide when I'm going to be happy. I'm going to give you the power to decide when I can experience joy. And that will always leave you unhappy. So, at some point, you got to stop pointing the finger at everybody else, take a look in the mirror, and recognize that maybe, just maybe, here's just a thought maybe you're a part of the problem. Maybe JC is a part of the problem and the issues in his family, too. I'm going to ask you a question, it's rhetorical, but watch this. When is the last time that you admitted you were wrong? Last Sunday was awesome, Vision Sunday. I got up here. I talked about our partnership with Trinity Christian School. I talked about our partnership with City of Refuge and launching our third campus on the west side of Atlanta. We gave away big checks. It felt like the publisher's clearinghouse. Come on. Anybody remember that? Come on now. Show your age a little bit. I mean it was a great. I felt like I could walk on water. We had a busy afternoon and I decided I'm going to take Lakeland to go youth that night, Sunday night. I wanted to hang out with them and kind of feel young, you know. So I go into the youth ministry, hanging out, great night. I get home, and I realized I fly out for Colorado Monday morning, and I've not packed a thing. So I said to Kimberly, we're getting the kids ready for bed, and I said to Kimberly very, very clearly, it's unmistakable, the comment that I made. And I want to preface it with this. We've been together almost 20 years. We'll be married 18 years this year. Come on now. that's where She's put up with me that long. You ought to say amen. We've never argued. Not one day. Now, there have been a few passionate communication exchanges. But we've never argued. Sometimes we just get very passionate when we exchange the dialogue. Can anybody testify to that? Come on now. So, it, so I, I, listen, this is what I said. And I, what I'm about, the story I'm about to tell you is 100% true every bit of it. Maybe. So I said to her, I said, hey, can you help me pack? Now, I don't know how you could misunderstand help me pack. When Kimberly heard it, she thought to herself, yeah, JC, you get all your stuff together, and when it's time for it to go in the suitcase, I'll help you pack it all in there. I didn't say that, though. What I said was is, and you heard me, can you pack my suitcase? Come on, men. How many of you heard that, fellas? Come on, say, save your boy up here. Come on, throw, throw me a bone up here. So she's frustrated. She's like, I'm putting the kids to bed. You, you, all, you always wait till the last minute. I'm like, don't you? You always me. As we passionately exchange communication. It's like, well, you never help. And we're trying to get my suitcase ready. And I'm frustrated. She's frustrated. And She's sitting over there. Sitting. I'm working. Sweat, and I got in my head. Have you ever done that? I got in my head. This is a true story. I started thinking, they don't appreciate me. I work hard. Do they know who I, I pastor? Go church. The go church. My son Lakeland walks by. He's got his shoes on. I'm like, he do not appreciate I bought those shoes. <laughs> How many of you go to that extreme sometime, you know? I'm like, they don't love me. I'm like, Kimberly, she just takes advantage of all this. <laughs> a frustrated, and she walks by, and I said something, and she said something, and, and, then, it, and then it escalated. And I was like, What, what have you done all week? <laughs> that was her response. She, she said the same thing. She was like, Oh, and I was like, Well, what'd you do? Do you know how hard I've been working? I'm, sw- I'm so nervous right now telling this story. Help me, Lord like what'd you do all week she's like what did i do all week she said she goes i'll tell you what i won't do next week (laughs) come on married people help me out it's like you think i need your help i'm a grown man i don't need your help i could tell this whole story for the next 20 minutes but let's get to the end i packed my own suitcase (laughs) and there was no kissy kissy that night come on the next morning, I get up, and I, I look at my watch. And I'm like, man, I, I, I got time. I'll take the kids to school, and then I'll go to the airport. So, you know, Father of the Year, I'm going to take the kids to school. I pray over them and the Holy Spirit. I get them out of the car. And, you know, I love you. I'll, I'm leaving Monday. I don't come back till Friday night. So they get out of the car, and I, I start driving to the airport, and I heard the Holy Spirit say, turn this car around and apologize to your wife. And I said, you, you. <laughs> You, (laughs) okay, hold on. Have you ever had that moment with God? And I was like, I will do it, but I don't want to. So I turn the car around. I pull into the driveway. I open the door. Kimberly calls me Jake. It's a term of endearment. She's called me Jake for almost 20 years. She said, Jake, is that you? It's me. Did you forget something? I did. What'd you forget? I forgot to tell you I love you. Kissy, kissy. Come on, somebody. (laughs) I said, I forgot to apologize. I forgot to tell you that I'm a dummy. I forgot to treat you like a queen. And I cannot, with a clean conscience, get on a plane and fly to Colorado if you and I aren't right. She came up. She put her arms around. She said, there is no man like you. I have never known of another man that, okay, that part's not true. I just kind just of got, I got, I got, I got caught up in the moment. Although, could you write that down for the next time that we passionately exchange communication? I had to own that I was wrong. I was wrong. And I don't ever want you to show me what you actually do in a week by not doing what you do in a week. Come on, men, say amen to that. Let me show you this illustration. Imagine this circle here represented every bit of drama and dysfunction and arguing and issues and misbehaved children and poor money management. And the list goes on. Every, every bit of conflict in your whole family, this is a pie chart, 100% of this represents everything. And again, our experiences are different, but everything you got going on represents in this, all right? 100%. Everybody say 100%. This is rhetorical. Don't answer aloud. How much of this are you willing to own? of 100%. How much would you say? Come on, think about this. Okay, I'll own that much. I'm going to give you a little grace today. A little little catch you a little slack here. Would you take that much? Just a piece. Would you step back and look at your whole family and say, "You know what? They're a bunch of crazy people." Come on, testify to that. But I might be a little cray cray too. I I might have a little bit of responsibility in in, in this in this house. Not much. But a little bit. Come on. Husbands, how, how much do you own? Wives, how much do you own? Kids, how much do you own of the craziness? Now, now here's the deal. The reason why nobody wants to own even a small slice of the pie is because the moment that you admit that you've got a little bit of responsibility and ownership, you lose all leverage to play the blame game. So the moment that you say, you know what, a part of this is mine, now you can't point fingers anymore. Because you've got a work to do on you. And here's what I've learned. I can't fix my family, but through the Holy Spirit, I can fix me. Anybody with me today? Andy Stanley says it like this. When you own a slice, you have to be nice. So whenever you own a slice of all of it, now you are forced to be nice to the people around you. And you stop pointing fingers and you stop playing the blame game. Let me tell you a great action step from this one point is this. Today, just say I'm sorry. Just say I'm sorry. Swallow your pride. Swallow the arrogance. Let the Holy Spirit speak through me so that you can hear this. Turn the car around. It's not worth a week of fighting, it's not worth a week of arguing. Own your part. Don't say right too loud, Kimberly. She's like, right wow, that was really loud. It's like the loudest you've ever been in a sermon of mine. She's like, say that again. you got to own a slice. Come on, can you say amen to that? That'll preach, won't it? All right, here's the second one. Watch this. you got to get counseling, whether that's individual counseling or family counseling. And counseling's not for crazy people. Counseling is for people that just want to be better and do better and get better. And this is, what I, this is what I see often. It's not always this way. This is a general statement, but it's typically the, the, the men or the man that doesn't want to go to counseling. I ain't, going, I ain't going to counseling, which, by the way, that's my go-to impression voice, right? I don't know why, but it's that, like deep south from Alabama. Come on, somebody. I ain't going to counseling. You think I'm going to pay for somebody to tell me to sit down so they can talk about all my problems when I could sit at home and let my wife do it for free. <laughs> well, what is that? Come on, fellas, listen to me. First of all, that's, that's not what counseling is about, is to tell you all the things that you're doing wrong. If that's all you hear in that moment, maybe that is the Holy Spirit telling you that there are some things you are doing wrong. Or, or maybe, watch, or maybe that immediate. Knee-jerk response. I'm not, I'm not doing that. Maybe it's that pride. Or maybe it's that fear that is causing some of the brokenness in the home. I, listen, I won't talk to the men because I am one. Let your guard down. Get, get off of the defensive. Kimberly tells me whenever we are passionately exchanging communication. She'll say, Jake... I'm for you. I'm on your team here. And sometimes I have to really take a self-assessment and think to myself, "What? Well, am I willing to do whatever I have to do in order to let my family know that I really love them? That I really love them. I'm willing to go the extra mile. I'm, I'm willing to see a counselor. I'm, I'm willing to talk this out. I'm willing to turn the car around. I got this goal with me and Kimberly. I want to make it to 50 years. I want to make it to 50. And I want to be that cute old couple. Y'all know who I'm talking about? Or when you see them, you're like, man, they are so old. And they are so cute. Anybody want that? Like, I want that. I want... <laughs> I know that meant to sound good, but you just called her old, man. So, I, was like, I already got her. She's as old as they get. <laughs> no, I'm with you, though. That's what I want. I want to grow old. So in order to do that, in order to reach 50 years, I got to be willing to do whatever I got to do. I... I- Listen, there have been different seasons in our marriage, and I don't know if this makes you think less of your pastor, but where we've been in counseling together. Um, Some really hard, hard places in our marriage that I didn't know if we were going to get out of it, but we went to counseling together. I'm in counseling right now by myself, seriously. And watch, it's not because there's really anything wrong, but I like that we're healthy, so I want to stay healthy. So instead of reactive counseling, I'm just doing proactive counseling. Because I I like where we are. And I know she likes where we are because I'm turning around saying, I'm I'm a big dummy. Are you willing to do whatever you got to do? Proverbs says it this way. Watch. Solomon, the wisest man who ever lived. Without what? Without good direction, people lose their way. And I don't say this in a blasphemous way. But I hope to God that the counsel and the advice that you're getting is not from social media. From Facebook and Instagram and Twitter and MySpace. What are you doing on MySpace? (laughs) Like, I really hope that you're not listening to people virtually that ain't never figured out the relationship or family thing themselves. So the only advice they can give you is from their own place of brokenness. Hey, we're not perfect people. But this is my, and you want to talk about an accountability statement, here it is. You can follow our example as we follow the example of Christ. I want you to see from your first family that we got a healthy marriage, we've got healthy children, and i got a healthy home. And I take the authority in the name of Jesus and I rebuke the attack that the enemy is going to try to bring against my family for making that statement. We are healthy and we want to give you counsel. Hey, if we're going to clap, let's clap well. Come on. Who are you getting good direction from? Uh, The person that's had multiple separations and divorce? Or from that old cute couple that says, you want to know how to make it through the hard times? You build your home on the rock, which is Jesus. And you will bend, but you won't break. Are anybody getting this word today? But the more wise, somebody shout counsel. The more wise counsel you follow, the better your chances. You I don't know who needs to hear this, but you don't have to be another statistic. You don't have to be a part of another family sermon series, and i put that number on the screen and you're a part of You don't have to be that way. Greater is he on the inside of you than he that's in the world. A house divided against itself will not stand. You need Jesus as the rock of your home. You need counsel in your life. You need people to call you out to tell you when you're being foolish and when you are wrong. This is how we make it. Don't let pride, I don't know why I'm preaching this so heavy, but you need to hear this. Don't let pride and arrogance and fear be the thing that breaks your family apart. There have been times where I have had, you know, just poor communication with Kimberly. Again, we have never argued. But not only did I have to apologize to her, but I had to apologize to my kids for how I treated their mother. This is the queen. But it's been people who have been willing to say, JC, look, you're off track, you're out of alignment. Good direction, good counsel, get counseling. We have life back counseling here. Uh, Go talk to one of our Christian counselors. Get your life back, get your marriage back, get your children back, get your future back. You gotta take it, here it is. Whoever hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who builds his house on the rock. But whoever hears these words of mine and chooses not to put them into practice is like a foolish man who builds his house on sand. What choice will you make? Let me give you a couple more here because I'm running out of time. Watch, you gotta fight for your family and not against your family. It's no wonder some of you feel so exhausted and so fatigued and so drained And so beat down and broken. You've been fighting against people instead of fighting the problem. In Ephesians chapter 5, let me show you this really quickly. At the end of Ephesians chapter 5, the Apostle Paul is writing to the church at Ephesus. And in the very final part of Ephesians chapter 5, he talks about the structure of the family, the family unit, the household, the Christian home. I'm going to summarize it. He says in Ephesians 5, he says... uh, husbands and wives submit to one another it's mutual respect mutual submission then he says wives submit to your husband as the head of their home that doesn't mean that we're the man of the house it means we should be the man of god of our home leading our family as christ would lead the church and that's what he says now husbands love your wives as christ loved the church how much did he love the church so much he died for it and then he says this children obey your parents And then he says, and dads, stop annoying your kids. Stop telling you. It's in 1 Peter and Ephesians. Stop exasperating your children. I have got the gift of annoying my children. I am so good at it. Then what happens? Ephesians 5 ends. Paul gives the structure of the family household, and then you go to the very next chapter. to See, if you're smarter than the earlier crew that we had, Numerically, after the number five comes the number you Y'all are smart. Come on, somebody. You get to Ephesians chapter six. Paul just talks about the family. And then what does he say in verse number 10? He says, finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might and put on the full armor of God so that you will be able to stand firm against the attacks of the enemy, the, the plans of the devil, the schemes Of the devil. And watch verse number 12. Thank you, Jesus. For we do not wrestle. We do not fight. For our struggle is not against husband and not against wife and not against son and not against daughter and not against your in laws. No. No, our fight is not against flesh and blood, but it's against the rulers, the powers. Against the world forces of darkness, against the spiritual forces of of wickedness and the heavenly. Our fight is against Satan. The enemy wants your family divided, the enemy wants your family destroyed. So, what does Paul say? Paul says this in the 13th verse. He says, therefore, don't overlook that word. Therefore means as a result of. So, because you are in this spiritual warfare, Therefore, as a result of that revelation, now you got to get dressed for battle. Now you got to get dressed for war. And you put on the full armor of God from the top of your head to the bottoms of your feet. You take up the sword of the Spirit so that you can what? Somebody shout, stand your ground. So that you can grow old. And be a cute little old power couple. With your family intact and your children loving Jesus. And generation after generation of heritage and blessing. And here's a word we love to use around here in legacy. That's what I want. I don't want to take this verse out of context, but what does it profit a man to gain the whole world and lose his family? To lose your soul. I told the Lord this past week, I don't know how many more campuses we'll plant, but I'll give all of this away if it means I can keep my family this is not my first ministry my first ministry is Kimberly Lakeland in London I am their pastor before I'm your pastor come on they just let me do this because they say I preach to them too much come on now write this one thought down once you start fighting for your family instead of against your family That's when the brokenness can be repaired. And it leads into the final thought, you gotta build your family on Jesus. Jesus at the center of it all. Hey, listen to me, I know this sounds like churchy, but think of it what you will, it works. You pray with your family, not just for them, but with them. You read the Bible together with your family. You go to church with your family. You serve with your family. There is power in that. And some of you, some of you parents might be thinking, well, we, we don't do any of those things. Well, then here's your next step. You bring your family together. and say, you know what? I'm going to repent. We've not been doing this God's way. And if you don't do it God's way, it'll turn out the world's way. So we've not really been building our, our home on Jesus. We, we've got our eyes on so many other things. But as your, as your father or maybe as your mother, we're, we're, we're repenting. And, and we're gonna bring Jesus into the center of who we are. And it may, I don't know all the answers and it may get sloppy at times, but I want you to know my heart. And listen to me dads for a moment. Every time a man comes to Christ, 93% of his whole family will follow. I'm calling on the men to stand up, to engage into a relationship with Jesus and let's win back the home. Come on, somebody. Come on, I wish you take 10 seconds right here. Come on, let's clap. You can follow my example, fellas. Kimberly, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Except you don't have to stand in front of a thousand people on a Sunday morning. (laughs) One final verse. You ready? I pray this over you. Above all, the fighting, the pain, the hurt, the disagreements, the stress, the pressure, the brokenness. Just love. Love deeply. Yeah, but Pastor JC, you don't know what they've done. I don't. I don't. But I know what they did to Jesus on that old royal cross. And Jesus said, Father, forgive them. They don't even know what they're doing. And maybe your family, they don't even realize how much they've hurt you and how broken you really are. But that love covers a multitude of sins. And we know that because Jesus first loved us. Every head bowed, every eye closed. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Speak, Holy Spirit, to all of our hearts today. And may we choose love. Your love. (laughs) You have forgiven us over and over and over, and maybe it's time that we learn to forgive others. And we thank you that that love covers a multitude of sin. You don't have to open your eyes, but on the screen I'm putting two questions that I close with every week. What did the Holy Spirit speak to your heart today? And what next steps do you need to take in your faith journey? What is the Holy Spirit speaking to you right now? Related to this message, unrelated to this message, the Holy Spirit is speaking to you about something. Will you be a doer of that or just a hearer of that? And then what's your next step here? Come on. Maybe it's asking for forgiveness. or Maybe it's calling a counselor. Maybe it's committing your life to Christ. Everybody's got a next step. I'll pray for that one, Lord. If anybody's here and their next step is asking you to sit on the throne of their heart, let's not leave here today without making sure that we're right with you, Lord. Because out of the overflow of that relationship, it's how you mend together the broken pieces. So today, I'm going to count to three. If you need Jesus in your heart, maybe you've never asked Christ to come into your life, or maybe you've drifted away from that walk with Him, come home today. And experience the love of Jesus. You ready? One, two, three. You need Jesus? Come on. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Somebody else. Come on. Thank you. Thank you. I'm looking around. Anyone else? Thank you. Thank you. Okay, Jesus, every hand that was raised is out of faith and surrender. And I pray that even those that maybe didn't lift their hands, but they know they need you in their heart, that they would accept you as Jesus that they would believe you are who you say you are, that they would confess their sin and commit their life to you, and that this moment would change them forever, and that a word like this would change the trajectory of their family. I give you thanks, Father, and I refuse to allow the enemy to take one more family hostage. Devil, you can't have our marriages. Devil, you can't have our sons. Satan, you can't have our daughters. We give them to you, Jesus. And I believe this in my heart, and I'll walk off this stage. The greater the spiritual warfare is because the greater the anointing on your family. The enemy is terrified that if you discover your purpose for your family, of what you'll do for the kingdom of God, you're fighting for them, not against them. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Come on, let's give Jesus some thanks. Come on, church.